And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. We'll be looking back on one of those Turn Up For What games as the Baltimore Ravens blow out the Texans to go 6-4. and four. We'll be taking a look around the league, joined by a friend all the way from the great state of Texas, and we'll try and answer the question, how do we save this season on Thursday night football against the Indianapolis Colts? Joining us this week on the Turn Up For What podcast is young Ari Gold from the Texans Unfiltered podcast. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I think within the context or the circumstances of uh, Sunday's game, all right. I think it was, uh, it was a bit of a shock to the system, I think, really. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think definitely was a shock to, uh, you know, most Texans fans and um, you know, media, you know, everybody. I, I don't think that anybody expected the outcome to be what it was. Yeah, I mean, going into the game, it was for me, I, you know, I had a feeling that, you know, that I, I don't know if it was just over and over enthused by the, the performance in London, where I just thought that was the first time they played a 60 minute game and actually looked like they held an opponent in check for the majority of a game. And it could have gone either way, a couple of calls and. And, and whatnot um, throughout that game. But I thought Watson just looked like he was get finding a groove. And then on Sunday, it was the complete opposite. And I put out on my column this week um, on the website just a review of the game that always the concern with Deshaun, I think, sometimes, and I, I don't know what you think about this, but in terms of the, the company sometimes that he keeps and the, you see he's out for dinner with the agent and the various hang-ons that he's got uh, in that entourage, sometimes I wonder when that game was coming up, he's never quite achieved the sort of media darling or apple of the eye of the national, you know, football media, whereas Jackson had and did it get in his head a bit. And uh, it just looked like he was trying to do far too much and then regress to these terrible habits that he's, that's kind of probably been the biggest flaw of his, of his career to date. Yeah. I think, um, I think you hit on it. Um, you know, John put it really well yesterday when we were recording, you know, he, he said, and you know he went to South Carolina, so he he has uh, a, a pretty good understanding of Clemson and things like that, and pretty close ties with some of the people there. And he mentioned that, you know, when the chip is on Deshaun's shoulders, um, things tend to go well. And um, you know, when he's playing with his back up against the wall, that's that's when things work for him and the team. And when he's feeling himself, and uh, you know, the national media is giving him love, and there's you know, things are going the way that you would like for them to go. He tends to kind of resort back and, um, he doesn't respond to the level that he does when he's counted, you know, out. And, um, you know, you look at the Carolina game, you know, he's very, you know, he was criticized to the max and, um, you know, under a microscope from the national media to the local media. Um, and, you know, he went back and in Atlanta and, you know, lit it up, but, um, I don't know if I expect those same results coming this week, but um, yeah, you know, I, you know, he, I think the biggest thing with me is, you know, during the off season, you know, he met with, uh, he had uh, personal conversations with Kobe Bryant and, you know, talked about the Mamba mentality and the Tyler Dunn interview for Bleacher Report and how, you know, Kobe just thinks differently. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that Mamba mentality ends up being something that he adopts and, 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 and puts forth as he continues his career as the quarterback of the Texans. For me, when it was 
the Jalen Ferguson, who I think, all being well, I think the Texans probably would have taken before Kahali Warren if, if the Ravens hadn't taken him off the off the board at the draft. But when he brought down Watson, he just managed to pull his leg from underneath him. And if he hadn't have done that, I think he probably would have broken his ankle. And I just felt like it was, again, he just went back to the regression of taking all these hits. And I tried to watch the All-22 back, and it was difficult because... If you watch the sack fumble in the first possession, and we'll come on to the, the slow starts of this team in a minute, but if you watch that play, not only does he have Kenny Stills running a skinny post right down the middle of the field, wide open, it's, albeit Stills has probably got to check his route and and, and uh, make a bit of a comeback or a curl for it. Um, but not only that, he then scrambles to the left. The right side of the line completely opens up, perfectly blocked. He could have ran for 10, 15 yards on a scramble, brought it back down again, tried to do whatever he was trying to do. I don't know what was in his head. Hopkins is then cutting across the middle on a crosser. You've got Fells and, and Hyde either side. He could have dropped it into. And he took a sack of over 10 seconds from, from, snap to, from snap to sack, which I think they said on NFL Network was the longest time a sack in over two years. And that's, wow. and that's just, for me, at this stage of his career, there has to be more than, you know, there must be things in his head going into that game that he's not focused on what he's going to do. And, uh, it was for me. It was difficult to watch because you know I think uh, we were at, we had, because it was on uh, one of the the broadcasters. So you you can't watch it on Game Pass. So we had to go and watch it at a local bar. And I said to the guy next us, I said that um, you know it used to be the case if we were fourteen nil down, I would kind of lose hope and probably turn the channel. But with Watson, you've always got a chance, and that's always been the case through the time that he's played with us. You know, and you think of some of the great performances he's had, particularly the Philadelphia away one last year that we should have won was. You know, it was something special and, you know, it was a great performance, albeit we should have probably scored 50 points against Kansas City this year um, in that game. So when he's on, he's on. But to, it's, to be at this point in year three, I find it difficult when he turns in performances like that because, you know, I don't know where, where, he, um, where, where, he, uh, where he thinks, you know, the good plays are going to come by taking all these hits and rolling around. You know, if you look at Aaron Rodgers, he leads the league in throwaways and that's why he's still playing at the age he is. So I think he just needs to smarten up and potentially, you know, go back to what he was doing a lot of the season. It seemed like there was so much progress, but now it appears that, you know, on a performance like that on Sunday, that perhaps, you know, it was, it wasn't all, or it's not all quite there yet. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I haven't had a chance to watch all 22 today. Uh, the, the plan was to do that after this. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm assuming that there were guys open a lot of times um, when he was scrambling around, you know, um, you know, the first two years of Deshaun Watson's career, you know, a lot of us as fans and, and media and, and just kind of everybody were, were kind of caught up in the magical moments, right? You know, his, his ability to escape, uh, avoid tackles, avoid sacks, uh, keep the play alive, um, and, and, you know, turn dump-offs into major gains and being able to hit bombs. All those things happened in the first two seasons uh, that we had to Sean Watson. This year, those amazing plays are a lot more rare than what we've grown accustomed to. Um, we're not seeing the, you know, him avoid, you know, two or three defenders and then, you know, making a play instead this year, we're seeing him af- avoid a couple defenders and then, you know, either get sacked, uh, force a fumble or throw a pick. And you're right. Like there has to be something in at NRG, somebody at NRG, whether it's Carl Smith, Tim Kelly, Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby, whoever it would be, um, needs to have that conversation. Uh, you know, I totally get that that's part of his game um, is the elusiveness and the, the ability to keep plays alive. But 
it's a drive killer when he takes a seven yard sack and you're right. Like the, you know, there's, you know, coming out, you know, after his rookie season, there was a lot of talk about Deshaun Watson compared to Aaron Rodgers, And, you know, there are so many aspects of his game that are very similar to Aaron Rodgers, but the biggest one is the one that you hit on. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is willing to throw the ball away and not take negative plays. And Deshaun Watson has to understand that he's hurting his team more by taking those negative plays than either throwing it away or taking whatever it is that the defense gives you. And like I said, I haven't watched y'all 22 yet. Um, but you know, I would, I would assume that guys were open throughout the game and you know, it's just, you wonder when is it going to happen? I guess is really for me, like we're, we're talking about year three now where this isn't the second year. This isn't a new coaching staff. It's not, you know, besides Kenny Stills and Duke Johnson, you know, it's really, and I guess Darren Phils, it's really not new weapons. Um, so he should know, and he should have the ability to do it. Um, he's just making the decision not to, and, and it really is affecting this team. You know, yeah, I, I talked about it yesterday and I, every time on Twitter, when we have games like this, it seems like Texans Twitter tends to be divided. It's either O'Brien's fault or it's Deshaun Watson's fault. And I think that you need to hold both accountable. They're both to blame. They're both tied to the hip. Their success is predicated on each other. And right now, neither one of them are doing what they need to do for this team to be able to take that next step and give us the confidence that when we play these premier teams, games like Sunday won't happen. It's tough to watch, I think, because if you look at the... The progress that they've made in year three, whether it's Carl Smith, whether it's Tim Kelly, I don't. I think it's a bit of a committee approach to the offense and the play design. But I, I felt that, particularly on the four and two, which will come, which probably puts us nicely into the the discussion of the the, the non call pass interference. But again, like that should never have had to be a call. Well, one because I think if the Saints run the ball three times uh, in the NFC Championship game last year, they kill the clock, and this is never a discussion. Um, but I think that's that's you know I'm I'm not I'm probably not in a position to tell Sean Payton about how to run an offense. But the bigger point for me on that fourth and two was that why is he going? Why why was there a long developing routes play called? And what was the check down? Because you only needed two yards. Why didn't he scramble for two yards? There was no need to go for the fourth and two in a game where we had to you know have more than our fair share of of, of possession. And for me that was difficult because I don't see how. You know that, like, when it gets to that point of the game, when it's still early, it's it's all to play for. You don't need to go for the hail mary. You know that he went for we're on a scramble, and and of course it was a pass interference. Of course we should have had the ball at the one, and that might have you know changed the the order of the game. I think the end result probably would have been similar, but that was just another example of you know not not playing within the offense and trying to do too much. And then he takes another hit on that play as well to add to a long list of of, uh, of Baltimore front seven that you know knocked him at the turf you know more than once. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. Um, you know that play specifically. Take away just the pass interference, and just look at the play as a whole. You know why was it such a deep shot? Why wasn't there a check down? Why wasn't a designed run to pick up the first down? Uh, why were there so many long developing routes on that play? Um, and that's kind of the story of the game itself is just the fact that, you know, this game was very similar to, or at least the game plan, or if there was one, um, was very similar to the Panthers game. 
You know, there wasn't a lot of getting Deshaun in rhythm, quick, you know, dink and dunks to get him going uh, in the passing game. Uh, it looked like there was just a lot of long developing routes, um, him holding onto the ball and trying to play hero ball and, and make something happen. And um, it, it really doesn't make sense as to what the approach was for this game, and especially offensively. You know, if you, on defense, you know, the first three drives of the game hold the Ravens to zero points. If you looked back at the end of the game um, and the offense played to the potential it, it could and it should, you would look at those three drives and say that those were the key those were the key moments of the game was the defense being able to hold the Ravens to zero points. And that just, you know, that wasn't the case. After that, you know, the defense got gassed. You know, when you're when you're not scoring and, you know, the defense is doing their job, you know, the defense tends to take on a little bit more responsibility and um, you know, the, the momentum is dead and the confidence there is dead and it's, it, it just kind of affects the entire team. And I, I really, I'm still puzzled to, as of right now, as we're sitting here talking about it, I, I really don't understand what the philosophy of this team was on Sunday and it seems to be lost and, you know, the RPOs and things that we've done in the past that have been successful, you know, we saw a little bit of it, but we didn't see it enough. And then when we come out in the second half, we see a lot of the short passes and, um, and things like that. And, you know, early on, you know, we had DeAndre Hopkins in the slot and I think he had like five receptions for, for, you know, for first downs and things were really starting. You know, I thought that, you know, this game at at least if you just went off the first two drives, I really thought that this game was going to be a little bit different. And then, you know, we kind of abandoned what was working and went to a different, went on a different path. And I don't, I really just don't know what, why I don't know the reasoning. I mean, it probably takes us on O'Brien quite nicely, but after the game, O'Brien said, they executed their plan better than ours. And, you know, my first reaction was, well, what was that plan? Because exactly right, you just touched on it there, that there was a number of, you know, stuff or, or a number of wrinkles that this team's put in, particularly the rollout to the right and the, the, the and then the dump off to the tight ends, which has been really successful. That didn't seem to be the case. I think we didn't execute the plays we did. Uh, we, we did sort of install at the start. And I remember going back to the Gary Kubiak days of, you know, there used to be 10 to 12 plays scripted. It seems like a long time ago under O'Brien, but when there used to be 10 to 12 plays scripted to get the quarterback in a rhythm, the plays that he was comfortable with, the ones that you knew that were going to, you know, have matchup or, you know, our scheme uh, or scheme advantages against the opposing defense and, and roll with that at the start of the game to try and get a foothold in the game early. And it just never seems like uh, that that is, or there is a plan there. And it seems to a while. And Deshaun, I think inherently is a bit of a slow start and it takes him a while to get warmed up. Uh, but it's costing this team, um, and I think that brings us on to O'Brien because, as you said, he's the, the two are intrinsically linked, and it was because of Deshaun's play on that sort of six-game stretch that he had uh, when he came into the league that saved O'Brien's career here and got him in a contract extension, despite you know number a number of years of nine and seven and relatively speaking uh, mediocrity. And it's never quite, apart from last season, probably the nine-game winning stretch against a favourable schedule and a, a favourable opponents, and some you know kind of lucky wins and missed field goals in there, um, you know, to add context to it. That it feels like we're almost, and I, I I used the phrase in the in my column this week. It's like we've all jumped on a carousel and expecting to move forward because it kind of just seems like we get the same results with O'Brien time and time again. It's it's ju- it's better than average, but it looks like, and what was the biggest and most stark thing that I took out the game on Sunday is it just showed you again that we've got a ceiling and that's probably you know a borderline divisional winner and 
a wild card team probably you know you know with us you know long as nothing too bad health wise goes against you that's probably where we'll be and you know the offense has got a lot better but we've just let the defense talent erode and we're kind of in the same position we've been every season O'Brien's been here um, and it just feels like it's a repetition of the same story just in a different guise yeah and it, it it's it, it's funny because when you look back and you look at just the history of the NFL um, when you have a guy like Deshaun at quarterback, you tend to be able to overcome those defensive woes, right? You know, you look at it and see it every year. There's teams that make the playoffs and, and, and make a run, and, and they're lacking on the defensive side of the ball. And usually you can point to one person, and it's the quarterback. Um, but under O'Brien, you know, you, you have to question whether that's that can be something that happens. You know, um, you know, people bring up the Giants and being able to get hot and, you know, make a run in the playoffs. Um, but this team just hasn't instilled the confidence, at least to me. And, and I, I would hope that in the fan base that this team is capable of doing those things. You know, Bill O'Brien is eight and 25 against playoff teams in his tenure as the head coach. You know, that speaks volumes as to the quality of the coach. He is. Do I think Bill O'Brien is a good coach? I do. Um, do I think he gets in his own way? Yeah. I think that's where most of the problems stem is just the fact that, he is unwilling to do the things that are necessary for us to continue to take the next step. And I don't know, like I really started to wonder <clears throat> in his time here, what has he done to give us confidence to think that he's going to have this team reach the potential that is there because the talent is there on the roster. You could argue that this team is a, a top five to you know top 10 from a roster talent perspective um, in the NFL. Uh, you know, you have DeAndre Hopkins, who's, you know, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the league. You know, your, your tight ends are playing and performing. Your running game up to this point was, you know, top five in the league. Um, you know, obviously on the defensive side of the ball, you're lacking pass rushers, but you have great linebackers and Dylan Cole, Zach Cunningham, and BMAC. You have, a, you know, a top five, I would say top two uh, defensive tackle and DJ Reader. You have Will Fuller when he's on the field. You know, you traded for Kenny Stills. The offensive line, you know, it's one of the parts that people tend to not really talk about enough, and it's because it's not a problem, right? We tend to not talk about things that aren't problems, um, you know, more than, you know, we talk about the things that are problems more than we do when there aren't problems. And the offensive line this season has really been a, uh, a true makeover. I, I, there's, I, I never thought in one season we would be able to remake this offensive line into an average offensive line, and that's exactly what we've done. Um, I just can't point to one specific point in Bill O'Brien's tenure here as the head coach of the of the Houston Texans that makes me think that things are going to be different. You know, I can't think of one defining game against a top tier NFL team that makes me think he's going to be able to lead us to the promised land. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about, right? It's not about winning the division. It's not about going and making, you know, winning a wild card game, right? It's it's about taking that next step and being considered a contender and showing that you are a contender in the playoffs and you know, he tends to get out coaching against all the good coaches. Um, you know, Frank Reich has his number. Uh, you know, John Harbaugh showed that he had his number. And it really makes me wonder, when do we start to have the conversation that this just isn't going to be it? And, you know, he's bought himself a lot of time. You know, obviously he won the power struggles with the, with the two uh, general managers. Now he's got full control over the roster. But to me, that's even more of a reason for us to wonder if this if he is the guy. As you know, he entered the season 
having the power and the ability to be able to build the roster that he wants. So therefore, there are no excuses anymore. You know, he was able to trade for Laramie Tunsil. He, he added Carlos Hyde. Um, you know, he traded for Gary and Conley. He traded away Clowney, you know, because he wanted to. And that turned into Gary and Conley. You know, he's done things that, you know, have added to the depth of this team and this roster and given him the players he needs to succeed, Duke Johnson. Um, so I guess my, my, my question is what, what has he done to show us? And, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know, you started this as a fan, just like me, you know, as a fan, what have you seen in the Bill O'Brien era to make you think that he's going to get us over, uh, over the hill? Yeah. I think results like Sunday certainly don't do that because you can't be, have serious aspirations of success and, get completely blown out, you know, by 30-something points and expect, you know, to to be a contender when it's all said and done. It, as you said, like winning the division is great, but what does it get you, you know? And I do generally detest the fact that they print T-shirts to, you know, to, to honour that victory or put a banner up because it's completely irrelevant, really, isn't it? It's just a, it's, it's the first, it's the first hurdle of a season if you want to be successful. And, it's difficult because I think I mean I was in Kansas City um, and and watched that game and you know okay the Kansas City defense isn't good but you know Mahomes is still the MVP so I, I kind of thought potentially that was the the you know a turning point just like a potentially I thought you know at the time anyway um, the LA Chargers uh, win and and Carson was was a good was a you know a feather in the cap and it looked like we were potentially maturing as a team. Obviously, the loss of Watt and this defense has just not got any any sort of form of pass rush. I think Merciless has you know fallen off a bit since the start of the season. You know, DJ Reader was having a, a good season and really improved in pass rush, but the defense is so limited that it can't afford the offense to have an off day by any you know any stretch of the imagination. So O'Brien's created that ultimately when you think about it. Is he you know, as he said, he was given the power and he let, you know, players walk. And we said we wouldn't talk about Clowney because it's a sore one for us all. And but he let you know, he let him walk out by his own judgment and he you know, he's referenced a couple of times you can't underestimate the importance of needing everybody, all fifty three or fifty two players buying in. And and that, I'm assuming that was in reference to that because he probably feels unjustified with the performances that that JD put in uh, for everybody to see the other week. Now that was nothing new. It just wasn't consistent enough, and it wasn't consistent enough for him to um, to earn the money he wanted in the eyes of you know of Chris Olsen, etc. At the time, and you know, okay, it's done and he's gone and he's never coming back. But the, the defense is weakened, and O'Brien's let that do that in with with a with a, a distinct knowledge that he was developing the offense, and that's that's fine. You've you've had the chance to develop the offense, but then the offense now has to perform on a weekly basis. And Sunday was so far away from that, particularly coming off a bye. I just felt as a coaching staff on Sunday, that was completely indefensible performance to do that coming off a bye when you should be fresh, you know, lots of time to put a game plan in and uh, and ready to take on the, you know, the next or the, the back end of your schedule, which, you know, we've now got three games at home in this season to, you know, to, as I put on the intro of this podcast to save the season because I do generally think it's, it's, as, it's as severe as that because... If you lose the Colts, we've got absolutely no guarantee we'll ever get a result against New England. Now, I, I predicted the season we would get one just by the law of averages. We'd finally maybe get a result. But when you watch against a competent defence on Sunday, you know, and their coverage their coverage concepts were good. And actually, I think we gave them a lot of looks that they were they, that they'd prepared for. And, you know, and Wink Martindale is quite a, quite a uh, you know, experienced 
guy in this league and, and, and I think he kind of schooled us a bit and took a lot away all our all our go-tos and our, our, um, our ready-made plays for success and it's I think you just at no point can you underestimate Thursday night and I know it's good for the players to be able to turn it around it's a big strain in their bodies hopefully the two guys with the soft tissue injuries and Roby and Fuller come back because we look a different team with those two guys on the field and I think you know Thursday is you know I would go as far as saying a make or break game for O'Brien now I still think he'll be here next year because I think you know and I think you referenced on your podcast a couple of weeks ago that you know it all looks as if Casario will come in so he'll get another year after this I think regardless what happens unless it's an absolute seismic crash and downfall like similar to what we had when Watson went out but Thursday night is so much on the line for O'Brien and every single one of these coaching staff I think because we've got there is no option available to us for a successful season it's not a regression on last year with more power and more influence on the roster, if we don't win Thursday, we're you know a, a very you know we're making it going to make it very very hard for ourselves to try and catch India if we if we go you know not only one game behind in the rankings but two games in the head to head. No, I would agree. I think uh, you know one, one of the things that you brought up that seems to be like kind of like the missing point when it comes to talking about this loss against the Ravens, you know, and it's very easy for people to point at you know people like us or anybody that you know is is talking about this team after the Ravens game to say, you know, it, it's what we're doing is very <clears throat> reactionary, right? Uh, obviously a 41 to seven loss, it can come off very reactionary, but I think if you follow and listen and, you know, say even with your podcast, my podcast, if you follow both of us on Twitter, you'll see that this isn't a reactionary thing. This really was just the cherry on top that kind of broke the camel's back, right? Like we haven't seen anything. And, you know, when you talk about Thursday, you know, this game is, is big. Uh, this is probably, this is a big game. Um, and I don't know if this team is going to be able to pull off this W. Uh, you know, short week, great. Uh, you know, I think Bill O'Brien's right when he said that, you know, being a short week is probably best given, you know, what happened on Sunday. It's it's easier for us to, or for the team to move on and be able to focus on the game plan for, for Thursday. Um, but I just when I look at the way the Colts play the Texans, what they're able to do on defense, uh, especially if Fuller can't play, you know, Fuller really is kind of the engine that really makes this offense roll, you know, because what he's able to do and what defenses have to do to game plan when he is on the field, it really just opens things up for everybody. And, you know, it creates, a mismatch on both sides of the, uh, on on both sides of the ball because when you're having to take into account the safety over top for for Fuller, you know you're able to really game plan more balls towards DeAndre and other people just happen to be open. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I I don't know how you feel about this game yet, um, but at at this point, I'm not confident that this team can can win. And a lot of it just has to do with the fact that I think Frank Reich is a better coach than Bill O'Brien. And I think when it comes to his schemes and his game plan, um, I think he's able to do and execute what he needs to for this team to be able to to beat the Texans. And we haven't seen that from Bill O'Brien. You know, even if you look at the one win against the Colts, right, last year, you know, do you, do you, do you put that win, uh, you know, mentally, do you put that win on Bill O'Brien or do you put that win on Frank or that loss on Frank Reich? And, you know, I, I would say that you put the loss on Frank Reich. Yeah, I mean, I was there that day um, and it was, 
well, we probably should have won it with a Fairburn missed a field goal right in the last second of uh, of the of the fourth quarter. And yeah, I think look, I mean, we should we, we probably on another day could have quite comfortably lost that game. I think we were sixteen or eighteen points in the lead. I can't remember. Luck just came back, and he just looked. You know, uh, something else, and I think that's another conversation. Totally, if Andrew Luck was here, I don't think we'd even be close to them, to be honest. Um, right. And uh, and and look, Brissett has got the number on us. Um, I think it's probably more Matt Eberflus than Frank Reich in many ways. Um, um, that's got the number on us um, because I think before before Reich, we still had troubles with T. Y. Hilton. Um, but that being said. And I'm, I'm definitely not an, an optimist by nature, but I think if you consider two things for Thursday night, I think one being health for the Colts. Um, they've, I think they had 11 uh, did not practice designations on their injury report. I know it's kind of, it's a short week, so it's kind of manufactured to a degree. Um, but that being said, I think they've got quite a lot of injuries and in a position where we're a far healthier team at this stage. I think obviously I would caveat that with the Fuller and Roby coming back, probably what's defined the Bill O'Brien era and this is not necessarily a good thing because we've been in a bad position to then have this as a positive that when it's when it's required a turnaround and it's required some you know a game plan that's you know if I think about when they brought Case Keenum back to beat the Ravens at, at home and and things like that when the backs have been against the wall that's when O'Brien produces results and that's what's kept him in a job ultimately so I think we'll win on Thursday night um not by much, but I think you know. I think Watson will come out with a point to prove after you know. He embarrassed himself at the weekend. That's 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 just the the nature of the the game. You're going to have losses like that, but to 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 get beaten that manner is just not acceptable. And he's not used to that as well. So I think that'll stick with him, and I think that'll stick with guys like Tunsil and 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 Hop and and all these guys that are you know that are proven winners and you know and carry this team. Um, so I think we'll I think I think we'll pull out the bag now. You know whether we pull out the bag or not, I think we've still got a, you know that's only the start of the story of the running really because we've got New England on Sunday night and you know that could quite easily be a Baltimore 2.0 if we're not careful and we don't go into that game prepared because whatever Belichick does to people when he works for them they tend not to come back and uh, and uh, and haunt them too much because O'Brien's probably been the most successful disciple out of that coaching tree yeah you know I think it's you know with the Colts you know you're right like with Matt Eberflus definitely has our number um, you know I, I, I tend to give a little bit more credit to head coaches that surround themselves with talented coaches, right. And let them kind of do their thing. Um, you know, I know we do that with rack, but I feel like that's the only area of the team that Bill O'Brien kind of lets, uh, you know, that side of the ball do its thing. And then he kind of hands his hands on everything else. And, um, but you're right. Like from a matchup perspective and Eberflus, you know, he tends to do a lot of different things and he really confuses Deshaun. but you're also right in the fact that, when Bill O'Brien's back is up against the wall, he tends to perform. Uh, he tends to get the most out of the team, and that's, you know, we saw it last year in the nine-game win streak, you know, even though it was a favorable schedule, as you reference, um, it, It's happened year in, year out with O'Brien. When, when his back is against the wall, he gets the most out of this team, and this team tends to perform at the level that we have, you know, set in our minds. Um, I, w- I would love to see a win. I would love to, you know... I want to see this team succeed. That's why we're here. That's why we're fans. Um, So hopefully that's the case. Now, when it comes to the Patriots, you know, the funny thing about the Patriots is when we play them, since we've had Deshaun, none of the games have been blowouts. 
Um, every single one of them has been, you know, a one possession game, you know, the Brandon cooks touchdown at the end of the game. Um, you know, we play them better now that we have Deshaun and Deshaun seems to thrive against the Patriots. And it's almost as if like he knows going into this game that this is the game where he can shine and he can, you know, he can get the love that he's looking for. Um, but I'm not too worried about the Patriots. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that I, I don't think Tom Brady is really the, the Brady that we've come to expect. I, I never want to say that he's falling off because when you say that, you know, you tend to see a 400 yard performance and him just kind of slice you up. Um, but, you know, Father Time eventually, you know, it, it, it's unbeaten. And, you know, when you, I watched the Eagles game the other day, you know, he threw a lot of ducks. He didn't look like he had a lot of the, the power that he needed to be able to drive the ball. Um, you know, the offensive, you know, the offensive game plans from Belichick in the last couple of weeks just really haven't been um, stellar. Uh, you know, the Philadelphia defense is not a good defense. They have a good pass rush, but their secondary is awful. Uh, it's probably one of the few teams that I would say our secondary um, is better than in the NFL. And yet they still had, you know, quite a bit of success against the Patriots. So um, I think, you know, my, I guess my question to you and to your listeners is what will it take for you to feel good about Bill O'Brien moving forward? There's a road to redemption, I think, potentially, just with the way the schedule's kind of panned out. We've got three home games in a row. Now, I think two wins, including Denver after New England, if we can if we can come up with two wins in that time, obviously the Colts has to be one of them, accounting for New England, then I think that puts us back on potentially a level footing because we can go ahead and potentially take the division. Um, but if you can win three of those and we finally get one over New England, then I think that would get everybody back on side because I was at the tailgate before the Atlanta game and I know the Astros have been playing the night before, but there was an absolute disdain for O'Brien that was tangible that every one of the tailgates that we go to when when we're in Houston spoke open spoke openly mm. about this is not good enough. You know, and that and you know, this is year six, so He's, there, there is a chance to respond, but the, the margins are fine that we're playing with now after Sunday. Now, look, do we ever expect to win? Probably, if you take your red, white, and blue tinted spectacles off, you know that you're that you're viewing it. You know that the, the lens that you take as a fan is always going to be probably over positive or over favourable to your own team than it would be, you know, with a cold, hard, neutral look at it. But there's a road a road to, to make this season a success, but it's going to be really, really difficult. And the, the one thing that we've not had and it will require is consistency. And consistency has not been something that we've ever had really in the O'Brien era, the nine-game win streak last year aside. Um, and that will require some luck, right? As those games did. But there, there's a chance to turn this season around. I think, look, I mean, I would have liked to have played the Titans earlier than we have because they were a bit of a mess at the start of the season. Now they start to look like they could potentially, you know, uh, to make a bit of a push. Um, you know, and Jeffrey Simmons is coming in the middle of that line and he looks a serious player. The guy from Mississippi that he only fell in the draft because of his injury. He looks like he's come back quicker than he has. And look, I mean, I'm not too concerned about Tannehill. I think we could at least get a one win against him, you know, but but again, that comes, that's probably a, a, a turning point as well. Can we do, can we get a double header or a double win against Mike Vrabel, which we've not done so far since he's been there. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's, there's a three game, three game stretch at home and a double header against the Titans. You know, obviously we've got a trip on a Saturday to to do uh, Tampa sandwiched in there. 
But you know, it's it's not inconceivable that we could get you know at least six wins um, if you put the Patriots one aside, maybe five, um, and we're kind of you know five wins and we're par of last season. So I, the options are there. You know, Sunday was a blow, and you 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 just have to write it off as a bad day. We've had probably too many of those I think because you, you can only afford to have two or three of those a year and you know the Saints had one the other week against Atlanta and you know and when I saw Atlanta energy I didn't think they were necessarily the worst team in the world and it looked like you know with a couple of breaks going their way they could probably win some games before the end of the season so you know the league can change really quickly um, and it does every week and the, the way you look at Atlanta now or the way you look at the Titans now versus you know even three or four weeks ago has completely changed so I think there's a I would like to think that there's a a way to get back into it. But the problem is we've completely rebooted the secondary in the middle of the season. <laughs> so, and O'Brien's era with the offensive line with, you know, until this season, he's got it right, but it was just a continual reset of the offense and, and, and changeover. So we've never really had huge amount of stability till this season. So you'd like to think as we get down the stretch and the games get tighter, that a bit more stability that we've had on the, on the offensive side of the ball is going to hopefully turn into consistency. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think what what needs to happen for for the fan base to be able to feel like this team when the, when the playoffs come can make a run is you know win against the Colts, win against the Patriots, you know maybe sprinkle in a loss at some point you know in between now and you know the end of the season, um, and then just continue to build. Um, but you know you brought up a point you know you said consistency and that's one the one thing that we've lacked during the Bill O'Brien era. And you're 100% correct. That's really the biggest thing. You know, as a fan of, of this team and of any team in the NFL, you know, you should be able to kind of have an understanding of what you're going to expect and see on Sunday. And I think to this point, I don't know if anybody really can, can say that they have an expectation of what they'll see Sunday. Uh, this team has been so up and, up and down, you know, whether it's the Carolina game, um, the Colts game, this Ravens game, there was no up, it was all down, but you know, typically, you know, you should be able to have an expectation of what you've seen just based on, you know, historical facts on how the team has performed. And yet this season, there really hasn't been any of that, but yet when you look at the consistency aspect and you think, you know, of all, every, everything that's changed and happened during the Bill O'Brien era, the one consistent thing that we have now that should make a lot of these inconsistencies go away is the fact that we have a franchise quarterback. Right. I mean, we haven't had that and now we do. And, you know, we 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 should start to expect that the consistency will be there and that this team winning will be there because we have the most important position uh, in all of sports taken care of. And the fact that we don't have those consistencies is really the biggest issue with this organization is you can't count on them week in, week out. And we should be able to. You're right. Like the secondary, it's been completely revamped. But, you know, there's a lot of potential in the secondary. I love I, I I love Bradley Roby. I, I I liked him prior to us signing him. I thought he was going to be the the key addition to this 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 team um, from the free agency of last off season. And you know, prior to him getting hurt, he looked like he was going to be that. Gary Conley to me, I think is a uh, has a lot of potential. I think you know when you look at the way that this team is building its secondary now, they're realizing that they need speed. They need press man corners with long. You know, length in the arms and height and you know the ability to be able to recover fast and you have that and, and Garion and Bradley Lonnie isn't necessarily like the fastest guy but he's physical he's long um, you know he's able to press and recover so 
the secondary, even though it is um, completely retooled, um, I still expect, I expect when Roby comes back that a lot of our defensive woes start to go away. I think when you can put on the field, Gary and Lonnie, Roby, and then, you know, if Hargraves can, you know, hit, you know, I don't know. I don't know a ton about Hargraves other than what we've seen in Tampa Bay and what we've heard from Bruce Arians. Uh, Bruce Arians is a very old school type of coach. If he senses a lack of effort, you're, you're gone and you're dead to him. That's just kind of how he rolls. Um, you know, so maybe, uh, you know, starting over and getting a fresh start in a new franchise will re-energize Hargraves. He was a first round pick. There's a reason for that. So when you look at the secondary, I really think that the, the tools are there for the secondary to be a big part of this team moving forward. Um, and I think this defense can get back on track. I, I honestly, I really honestly believe that. I think that there are, there are players on this defense that can make us at an average defense. But the questions come to the offense. You know, where or when are we going to see the consistency in this offense? And is it when Will Fuller comes back? Maybe, you know, maybe that's the case. You know, are we going to start to see Jordan Matthews, you know, here in the coming weeks? I do think having a, a three tight end rotation will help. Um, oh, Jordan Thomas. Yeah, I think, yeah, Jordan Thomas. When Jordan Thomas comes back, you know, I, I think that'll help. Um, I think there are a lot of moving pieces that can that can really get this team um, over the hill and get us where we want them to be. Things are starting to form. It's always about who's the healthiest going into the playoffs. It, you know, at that point, once you enter the playoffs and you're healthy, what happened prior to you know the playoffs really doesn't matter because you can go in on a run and get going. Um, and you know, if this team can get healthy going into the playoffs and we have all of our players available, then that's when you start to feel confident and hope that Bill O'Brien isn't the reason we lose. We, we hope that Bill O'Brien is the reason that, you know, we win and, you know, I, we're, we're six weeks away from the playoffs and we still just don't have an answer as to who this team is. And, you know, I still think that there's time for us to really maybe put it together and figure out exactly what the identity of this team is on both sides of the ball. The secondary unit coming together, if if that can be the case and you can get plus performances out of, you know, Roby, I almost thought it was a, almost a blessing that he got a bit of an injury, missed a couple of games because the way he was playing at the start of the season, I, I remember thinking just before he went out in the Kansas City game, kind of similar to the thought I had when A.G. Boy, he played at Denver away and he completely shut down uh, the, the, I can't remember if it was Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders. Thomas. Yeah, or yeah. it was Emmanuel Sanders. I can't remember which one he was. He was basically covering, and I remember thinking to myself, "Then he's not going to stay because we're not going to be able to pay him." And I almost had that feeling with Roby at the start of the season. He wasn't a popular addition. I think a lot of people criticised it because, you know, but I, you know, my point to many was if John Elway lets a good talent out of the building, I don't think that necessarily means anything <laughs> these days. I uh, agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. John Elway is a terrible general manager. I mean, he's just a terrible general manager. I don't know how he still has a job. Good thing that he has the legacy he has with that franchise because, I mean, if he was on any other team, he would not be a general manager. He has a job for one reason only because the family that own it is in complete dispute about who should own the team and he's, he has no one to answer to. So so when you know when he when he lets somebody walk out the, the building, I, didn't think, I thought it was a good sign. And, you know, just the same um, with Vernon Hargreaves. If he can, I think he said in his interview, he thinks they'll be asked to play inside. Yep. So if he can come and, and, and give us even just some plus performances because guys like even like Keen Cross and I've been relatively impressed with considering didn't you know have a training camp with us have come in and got some you know a sizable amount of snaps and and looked like you know we've completely reworked this unit so I think that's probably in the top three of of, of what we need to to fall our way in the in the back end of the season because 
if, if that unit can help and get some coverage sacks up front, because I think that's probably our best route rather than anybody just pure pass rushing, then that that you know that that would be a big plus. Um, I thought Connolly just just didn't turn his head around quick enough for that um, early touchdown to Seth Roberts at the weekend. So he's had some good plays, he's had some fortunate plays. So it'll be interesting to see if he can continue to play how he's how he's done. I think he's got you know again just says him as Hargreaves' former first round pick. So you know the natural talent is there, and if we can do a good good job of coaching these guys up in the DB room, it could help us. I think as well that like you touched on with Jordan Thomas also. It's for for that guy to come back and it's funny because my memories of him last year if you think of his great plays it was the first drive against Cleveland at home it was the first drive at Denver away that we scored and we made it look easy and he was a good option in the red zone so I think him coming back potentially is good because Adams has sat as the third round or as the third tight end on, on the non-active list every week and not given as much so you know, I think if, if you can potentially, you know, dispel fells for a couple of plays and give him a rest, and and uh, Aitkins has been, you know, has had some good and had some bad this year. That uh, particularly the game against Oakland, he was he was terrible, but he's had some great games, you know, against the you know the Chargers, and and he's been reliable. And actually, in the first game against Indy, he probably should have had two touchdowns if uh, if if Watson looks his way. I think the the crossing routes and the Yep. And the and the slants from you know from the slot you know you you just need to look at the two games that Kiki's played against the Colts that you know has been his two best games so they have you know albeit their linebackers Walker and you know everybody's favorite linebacker Darius Leonard who's you know is on a, a a serious trajectory for somebody who was you know from a small Carolina school is their weakness I think in that. Uh, Defense is is the is the short sharp stuff over the middle, and uh, if if we can take that approach and Deshaun can can uh, get that in his head, then I think you know that 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 pertains to a good chance of winning. I would love to see Jordan Thomas back. I think he's a, you know he's a, a physical freak at that position. I don't think it, I don't know if he's I don't know it's not necessarily a measurement in the combine, but he must have the longest legs in the league because he just looks like somebody shouldn't run that fast does, and he he's got you know a huge catch span um, or a catch radius to to. Um, to bring the ball in, so if he could, I don't think he'll play this week. I think it'd be more likely he'll play against New England, but you know, you, know, you never know. Um, one thing I did notice in the news actually this week was, or on Sunday, that Gronkowski said he's got a big announcement to make Tuesday. I've not seen anything flash up. Yeah, it came out today. Actually, he uh, he's hosting a Super Bowl party in Miami. Oh, all right, okay. <laughs> I could. I just thought that'd be the most Texans thing ever. That'd be his first game back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah, you, when you think about Jordan Thomas, uh, you know, he is a freak as far as like the athletic ability and his size. You know, he's basically a big dinosaur on the field. Um, his ability to catch the ball and get open in space. And you're right. I think the one thing that, you know, doesn't get talked about enough right now is Kiki QT. Uh, you know, he had his first game back pretty much out of the Bill O'Brien doghouse. And, you know, there were some plays where he looked like there were some miscues, um, you know, that play specifically where he was and DeAndre Hopkins uh, vicinity. Um, but um, getting QT back and, you know, obviously if you take what he's done against the Colts in his career, you know, short career, but what he's done, I think it's like 22 catches, 224 yards. Um, he's been really good. And you're right that that middle of the field is where we should thrive against this Indianapolis Colts team. And we've shown that that's the case. Um, I'm really hoping that we start to see more Kiki as I really, I really think Kiki's a very talented player. I know that there's been a lot of, um, criticism sent his way from Bill O'Brien about, you know, practice and the details and things like that. It's funny how that has kind of come up this year, but yet last year, you know, you saw when he was on the field that he was a difference maker and 
you know, you could say that a lot of times Kiki is, is open, you know, more times than not. And, um, it'll be interesting to see if Kiki is a focal point of this, uh, offensive game plan on Thursday. Um, if you're able to add Wolf Fuller back, that really just kind of changes everything. And it's just going to come down to Deshaun executing. Uh, I don't expect Jordan Thomas back this week. Uh, if I had to say, you know, what game he would come back, it would, you're right. Probably the Patriots. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the week after that in Denver, um, or, or Denver, I think Denver comes to us, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, everything is trending for this team from a health perspective to make a run. And I guess that's, you know, to piggyback on what I was saying earlier is things are starting to come together from the health perspective. So there's really no reason for us to think that this team can't put it together. And it's just about, can they put it together? We've not, well, last year, I think Brad Seeley took the special teams. And this is probably my third thing I think needs to go our ways. We need to start getting some productivity on special teams because we've not had a decent return all season, really. Uh, we've missed field goals, and I don't know if Fairburn will, you know, if they'll work out a kicker on Tuesday. They seem to have an unwithering f- faith in Kaimi, and rightly so. He's had some good games, but he's also not performed at a level this season, particularly that field goal right before halftime on, on yeah. Sunday. He's, just, he's missed far too many. Um, and look, some of them were down to the hold, like Brian Anger coming in and um, getting rid of. Uh, Trevor Daniel was there was some unintended consequences there in terms of the in terms of the operation of the of the the kicks but I think when he, if we can just get you know one or two special team scores in a couple of games they can win you games at times when you know it's such a momentum shifter if you can you know you think of the, the game against Tennessee at home of, in Fuller's rookie year when he took back I mean we won't put him back there now but because because he's so injury prone but when he took back a, a punt return and scored and that basically won us the game that day and we, you know we had the defense oh. then to shut it out but we need as many points and places we can get it and you think that and combined with it as we said the secondary if they could just get some interceptions we just don't really look like a team that's going to get a lot of interceptions and uh, and if the change secondary could potentially lead to more turnovers and get the ball back then you know I think that's we're going to have to be able to you know find ways to, to manufacture scores rather than you know just every time the offense gets the ball you hope they can you know, march 90 yards and, and put up points so it's going to be interesting I had them I had them down as a 10 team one at the start of the season so um, if we deviate from that in a positive way then I think it's been a good year um, but it's it was obviously not this was all, this was prior that we we got rid of our best defensive player and we uh, and we brought in some more than an offense so it's kind of it's kind of swung around but but um, <clears throat> so yeah I think I think for me um, I'm going to go for a Colts win Thursday night and then I think we'll lose against New England and then potentially could see out the rest of the games with maybe just one defeat and win the division but you know time will tell I don't know what you think if you could uh, if you could have it one way if you could have the the season end you know the regular season end in a specific way as far as picking wins the rest of the way, which, which route would you go? Well, I think Colts is just a non-option. If I was limited to wins and had to give up a defeat, I would give a defeat to New England. But, you know, I think, you know, on a Sunday night game with Deshaun under the lights, that was always his big thing, that the lights are never too bright. So, you know, can he finally have a signature win? Because that would be it. Um, but I, I don't think we can count on that. But I think then with Denver at home, I think they're a bit of a mess and, you know, all being well, that should the problem. That's potentially the worst team we'll play all year. Um, and then Tampa away as well on the Saturday in Week 16. You know, I think you've got to think that again, winning on the road in this league is not easy. But you think that's going to be a win, and then it's just that it'll just come down to the two games against the Titans and how uh, 
and how inventive Mike Vrabel might be to, to get the best out of a team that's actually a pretty good roster, really, apart from the quarterback. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could see as, you know, of the, you know, of the six games we've got, or the, yeah, of the six games we've got to go, you know, could we take one defeat in there? Or seven games we've got to go, could we take one defeat in there? Yeah, I think it's possible. It'd be tough, but it's possible. Yeah. No, no, I think that's right. You know, I I would love to see a Colts win and a Patriots win. Um, I think those type of wins are kind of what would start to put me back towards, you know, Bill O'Brien being on his side and, and, and thinking that he can do it. Um, obviously big games, right? So, you know, when you see the big games um, on the on the schedule, those are the ones you circle, you know, and I, I was thinking about going to the Patriots game. Um, I was thinking about going to the Colts game Thursday because tickets are just really, really low right now. But um, that's a conversation for off air. But yeah, I think... You know, if I can have it anyway, I'd love to win these next two games. And, you know, I'd love to see it. You know, we say that, you know, has that has that whole <clears throat> Deshaun shines brighter when the lights are there, you know, in, in Sunday night primetime games. You know, I, I would say that, the you know, the last couple times that we've had, you know, I guess the primetime game, the last one we had was what, the Chiefs? And that was a game that we won. Tonight would be, or Thursday would be considered a primetime game because it's the only game on. So you go from Thursday to Sunday, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Deshaun's able to kind of take that, um, that hype of how he performs on the stage, because the last biggest stage we saw him on was the Colts wildcard game. And that was not a good game for Deshaun Watson. No, it wasn't. I think it was probably, well, I think Sunday was his worst game. He managed, I didn't think he'd ever play worse than that, but he proved me wrong on Sunday. Um, I think the other, probably the other two that we had last year were both at home against Miami and against the Titans and they were both good performances so you never know but yeah I think when when we're up against the best I think Deshaun some of his performance can be questioned I think and that's up to him to try and find a way to do that because he's, he's probably as you said just with him and O'Brien are now at a point where they're potentially out of excuses and, and it's time to deliver and it, it starts with this three game stretch so it's going to be fun but we'll see we'll see how we go um, so um, thank you very much for joining us mate I think we've probably covered everything we needed to Um Really appreciate your time. Um, and for all the listeners, if you don't already subscribe to the Texas Unfiltered podcast, please do. Um, these two guys do a great job of covering the team and they've been a big big source of, of my fandom of this team, uh, you know, from, from 4,000 miles away. So as uh, young Ari Gold uh, joining us for the Texas Unfiltered podcast, thanks for your time, mate. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for the kind words. We'll talk again. And that's all we've got time for on the podcast this week. I've been your host, Ewan Disonqua. Please share, subscribe and leave us a review in all the places that you get your podcast from. Once again, thanks for joining us. A huge three-game stretch this team undertakes. It all starts on Thursday night. And wherever you listen from, wherever you download it from, we are Texans. <laughs> <laughs>